Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Profiles in Risk. I am your host, Nick Lamparelli. Uh, let's get some bookkeeping out of the way. Uh, usually, I'm in business casual outfit. I've ditched that. So from now on, I'm going to be trying to wear InsureTech. So from my friends from Benakiva, thank you very much for uh, my t-shirt. Uh, I accept anything. I'm not shy about it. Uh, pins. Uh, I got stickers. Um, everyone's sending me stuff. So at some point or another, I'm going to share them all. So don't be shy. Uh, ask me for my address. I love gifts. Um, on today's episode, I'm very pleased uh, to have Will Hold on. Will is the CEO of National Alliance for Insurance, Education, and Research. The National Alliance is the leading provider of practical education and certification for insurance and risk management professionals. And since 1969, the National Alliance has been known for its CIC, CISR, CPRM, CSRM, and CRM designation, and its in-person direct intimate and intense course curriculum. That's an understatement. And they have many other courses online. Will, I appreciate it. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. So uh, I always give a soapbox um, to talk about National Alliance, but I, I can tell you that description really nails it. And I think for those that are listening that, that have taken a CIC class, they know how uh, intense th those are. So I want to spend a lot of time going into that, but uh, let me give you the platform first. And uh, can you describe National Alliance in your own words? Absolutely. So in my words, coming in as the CEO, I view the National Alliance really as a 50-year-old startup. It is an extremely exciting time to be here. We're rethinking, redoing a ton of things here. Um, and I think really it comes down to providing an exceptional educational experience. And we focus on really three things. We focus on the practical application, comprehensive, making sure people have a learning path and they always have kind of a next step. And that leads right into the continuing. We never want to have educational orphans sitting out there that don't have another step to their educational process. And our vision really is to be this indispensable transformative learning resource to our clients and participants where they come in looking one way, they come through us transformed on that journey and really come out a true professional, understanding every aspect of this business and really armed and equipped to hopefully change the lives of their clients is what we would ultimately love to see. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, there are a lot of options now. I, I remember the days where there were basically like two options. Now there's like, a, it seems like there's a designation for pretty much everything. So uh, let's, let's play the compare and contrast game okay. um, a little bit. And, you know, I, I know, uh, I know, as I know you probably CIC is on a mantle and it's like, you're, you're, you know, you're a little baby, yeah. but it's not, it's not probably not for everybody. So okay. can we do a compare and contrast on, you know, um, how would you compare it to other designations that are available and who should be taking? Uh, let's start with the CIC. I know you have other designations, but who should be taking the CIC? Sure. I think now that we've added more options, it really is everyone. So CIC used to be five parts. 
um, and it was focused primarily on independent agents. Now there are actually seven parts. So there's an insurance company operations piece. It's more commercial lines focused. We've added on other pieces like CRM certified risk manager and CPRM certified personal risk manager. So people can customize their experience going through CIC. So it, we've tried to make it more advantageous for more people to attend where we want to deliver that same practical education still focus around technical insurance but now also focus on different operations of the agency of the insurance company and then going into separate designations when it comes to high net worth personal lines and also pure risk management okay so uh let's give let's give the audience a flavor for uh the boot camp style um of the cic so cic is like two and a half days two days now 16 hours Okay, so 16 hours in person. In person or online. Okay, uh, let's focus on the in-person one because um, frankly, it fits my personality type better. Absolutely. It's, um, these are distraction-free zones where there's an instructor, there are other students, and it, it quite honestly feels like a college atmosphere. That's Attended? Right. That's good. Uh, yeah. If you enjoy college, that's good, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, if they pay me, I'd be a professional student. <laughs> okay, so you did. <laughs> um, and they're and they're very intense, right? So, you know, uh, cl clearly, um, you know, th there are other designations where it's a lot more self study. Those are intense as well, but mm -hmm. you know, you kind of pick and choose the date that you want to take the exam. You can kind of plan this out this is boot camp this is you're dropped in and you're going to get an intense amount of um i don't want to say just information it's stimulation mm -hmm. right like there's back and forth there are, your instructors are asking questions you, there's the ability to kind of converse yeah. and uh get the feedback from other students that are taking the classes um which is the, i think the part that i love the most is i can ask questions um that the instructor may not have answers to, but someone in the audience might, and they'll answer it for me. Yes. It's a fun environment. I, yeah, I never walk away from a course where I'm attending, doing my own update, or being a part of where you don't learn something. And that's what we constantly hear back, whether it's from the instructor, whether it's from another participant, they always hear something, not just because the National Alliance is so great, because we all know that, but because this industry is constantly changing and there's constantly new things coming up that people are seeking solutions for. Markets change, insurance companies change, uh, endorsements change. So many things in this industry change on, change on a constant basis. And so it's amazing to see this community of people that hold the designation or are getting the designation and how excited they are to share with others. And they're not so scared about the competition factor, but they're more concerned with, are we all professionals coming together and really elevating this industry and truly providing a value and a service for our clients. Yeah. Um, what is the, what is the online? Uh, I, I haven't taken one. So how does that differ from the in-person uh, course? Sure. So the online is spread out over um, a period of five weeks and there are four-hour webinars kind of each week. They're live webinars, so you can attend the live webinars. You get CE by attending those. You can chat with the, the instructor, the faculty member. You can also chat with individual participants as well. Um, if you can't attend the live ones, then you can always watch the recording, 
and everything to study for the exam. And then so there's a lot more flexibility in terms of and, and time that you have to study for the exam. And then you have a three-day exam window that you can go to a proctoring center if you want to do that, or we have online proctoring services that we work with as well. So it yep. is a fully digital exam. It's still short answer, but the exam is fully digital online. So how do you internally keep up with um, the rapid changes that are occurring in insurance? How often are the courses updated? Uh, so on and so forth. So one of, in my opinion, one of the greatest things about the National Alliance is our faculty, are the people that teach for us. They are constantly keeping up with all that information. So maybe the entire course doesn't change, but nuances in the course get updated by just different things that are constantly changing in the industry. New endorsements, different states that have different endorsements, that have different laws. The faculty really bring that local flavor to life for all these participants. So we truly couldn't do what we do without people teaching for us and being professionals and concept learners that hopefully we attract continually and continue to promote them and they continue to teach for us because they, they are really is the lifeblood and the heart of everything we do here. Yep. And one of the, one of the aspects of uh, the designations that you have that's different than other designations, um, I think some may find us um, as a, as a, drawback you know, versus others is that you, because you are basically, you want, you want your students to be professionals, you expect them to keep that professional um, continuing education up to date all the time. So uh, your designations are not a one-time thing. You don't pass the exam and now you get some sort of legacy pass through the golden gates. Uh, there's an expectation of maintaining your professionalness year over year over year to maintain that designation. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, there's a quote out there. It goes something along like success is always rented. It's never truly earned and the rents <laughs> due every day. And I think that's kind of the philosophy that we have here that just because one day you know the information doesn't mean the next day you're going to know that same information about the same subject. We, as I mentioned earlier, we all know this industry changing, new risks, new exposures, new hazards. And we feel it's imperative that these people that we call a certified insurance counselor or a certified risk manager at least attend a course every single year to get updated on these subjects. So they are truly practitioners in the business and they just didn't know it at one point, but they currently know it and they constantly know it. And hopefully that resonates to their clients or to their stakeholders if they're a pure risk manager that this person is staying on top of it if they keep this designation current. And in, in some regards, you have a graduate level course. You have your uh, Rubel course, which yes. I've, I've, uh, I have not been fortunate enough to get there because I don't have a CIC designation. So I don't, I'm not qualified. I really hate to, that for you, Nick. I just hate it for you. <laughs> it's, um, I, you know, and I see those classes like, ooh, this looks good. And it's like, oh, I'm not qualified <laughs> to actually attend this. Can you, can you talk about the uh, Rubel courses? Absolutely. So James K. Rubel was one of the 11 individuals that approached my father when he was a professor at University of Texas to start CIC. And he stayed with the company for his entire life and really continued to impress upon the values that we have today. And 
this aspect of being a professional, that we want agents, we want insurance people to be professionals. And so it was just logical to name the next level after him. And these courses go into really a plethora of topics. They go about different industry focus areas like contractors, trucking, healthcare, or they just go deeper on topics like cyber or commercial property. There truly is almost unlimited options. I think right now we're sitting at about 150 different ruble topics throughout the country, all in four-hour blocks. Wow. And again, rubles now are online as well. In fact, we have our largest course in the history of the National Alliance going on right now at over 400 participants in an online ruble seminar going on now. What's the title? Do you know? Oh, it's a mega. So it's a, it's, there's over 20 different topics people can choose. Okay. From. All a smattering of four hour topics. So fantastic. Maybe okay. 50 people in one, a hundred in the other. So it's, it, it's yeah. an amazing. And, and, and I, I'd like to stress that the, the ruble isn't just like another course. No. It's like advanced. It's okay. You, you know, commercial auto really well. This is like the elite of the commercial auto. This like gets into nitty gritty details. This gets into, um, you know, Oxford comma is going, might cause this to be a claim. Is this covered or not covered? You're exactly right. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. intense. It's really intense. Um, and, uh, you, you know, I've been wanting to do, uh, we've talked about, you know, for insurance nerds, having like an insurance jeopardy, like a real game show. And I think perhaps the first moment where I like, I recognize like there's some value here was a CIC class that I took Mm -hmm. where the instructor was so good. We went through like this exercise for like between half hour and an hour where there was actually use case, case studies Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, actual claims cases where he would put up the details and then we would, we would debate covered or not covered, and then ultimately how the court ruled and walks through like the language of the policy. And I think there's a game show there. <laughs> I'll have to pass that along. <laughs> you know, I don't, um, I think it, at first glance, it sounds boring, you know, but I bet that would be pretty, pretty stimulating because I, because he had, and there was probably, you know, 50 to a hundred people in this particular room mm-hmm. at this hotel. And we were all like really engaged. There was like a serious debate going on in the class about whether this is covered or not covered. And, and uh, I, I don't think it needs to be boring. No. And we just had, it's funny you mentioned that, we just had a similar experience. I just got back from Dallas yesterday at our classroom mega, which is a ruble, where uh, Rick Pitts went through different cases and asked each table to decide if they were the jury what would they agree with the actual jury or not? And then why is that? And it's amazing the difference of people's opinions in those and reading the policy and interpreting it differently than maybe the jury or an insurance professional. So those types of case studies still go on regularly and and it truly is fascinating and people always love it. Okay. So I I would, I would class kind of classify it like this. If you have some other designation, you're probably at a pretty good standard but you go through these CIC classes and you go through these ruble classes, it puts you in Bill Belichick category. <laughs> That's our hope. Or for you, for you, just for you, it puts you in Nick Saban category. <laughs> How about that? Minus the cutoff uh, sweatshirt, hopefully. Maybe they have better fashion sense than that. 
I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure because I think uh, I'm. I'm starting to go casual. So I think as you get older, you just get sloppy. So pretty soon you're going to see me with cut off sleeves, and I'm not going to care. I'm going to like be blowing my nose on national TV. Um, so you know, it's it's funny because um, I interviewed uh, Bill Wilson once, mm-hmm. who published his book uh, When Words Collide, which to me is just like sort of like a CIC type of. Um, educational course. And I, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, in his long career, like what sort of sticks out as moments in insurance where you saw this like dramatic change and with, without even hesitation, he said last five years, yeah. so it's like the, the way technology is completely flipping this thing up. Um, two things first, uh, and I'll, I'll ask you the second one after you answer the first one, how has technology directly changed national Alliance? Like, your product, your offering, how you think about the delivery and the service and um, the opportunity that exists for National Alliance? I think, uh, to me personally, it's extremely exciting what, can, what technology can do, not only just for the National Alliance, but what technology can do for learning in general, and then also insurance on top of that. I mean, we, our vision is to be this indispensable and transformative learning resource through adaptive technologies and practical instruction. So we're right now getting a lot of our backend systems in place, uh, learning objectives, um, how we manage accounts and clients, how these profiles can work to deliver more customized learning and education pathways, looking at how do we deliver training on a daily basis through whether that be through quizzing, whether that be through videos, um, really all platforms are on the table for us. Uh, we we want to make sure that we're looking at all these different learning applications. And the other big one that I think we're all going to get pushed harder on is what is the return that you're providing to your clients or customers? And that's something we really want to go on is how are we providing a turn of return on their time and on their educational dollar, dollar both in the experience that they have then did they actually learn something? Did their behavior change because of what they learned? And then ultimately did that behavior change result in a positive financial impact for them or their clients? Yep. Uh, so given what you just said, um, how does just the how technology has impacted insurance affect what you do? So you have, you have the double-edged sword. You need to understand how technology is going to affect your day-to-day business and how you communicate stuff. But the stuff that you're trying to communicate is changing rapidly right behind you in order for you to do that. So how do you, how do you balance that so that uh, you're delivering it in the way that your customers want, but it's, it is the up-to-date stuff. Yeah. And I don't think there's a silver bullet, Nick. I think it's just this constant pursuit of always having your ear to the ground of always being engaged with this industry and constantly seeing how different people are are applying different things. And I think as we continue down this path of technology, there is not going to be a a one-shop solution for everyone. It is going to become highly personalized with how Nick wants to operate his agency versus how William wants to operate his on the carrier side. So we really are trying to always learn, always improve, and really look at this stuff. And, And it comes down to adaptive and personalization. I think is what ultimately for our insured clients and and for our participant clients, as well as for the national alliance, are we delivering on that individual's expectation? If not, why, and how can we do that better? Yeah, it's a good message. Um, So uh, just 
from your career, if we can sort of look at like um, the future, the future of risk management, the future of insurance, uh, given all of the radical change that's happened in the last five years, um, any, uh, anything unusual you see coming around the corner? Like um, I, you know, I've been, I think I've been pretty bold in saying, I think in 10 years, insurance will be radically different how it's bought and sold. It will not just be a piece of paper. Um, what do you see, you know, going forward? I see honestly the same thing. I was attending an event not too long ago where one of the large global brokers was talking about the mantra of how location, location, location is the real estate brokers, data, data, data is going to be to insurance agents. And I would agree with that. And that's where our board and the people that we deal with are really pushing us is how do we use data to sell? How do we use data to provide a return? How do we use data in digital experiences? Um, some of the market may totally disappear, right? We all know about autonomous vehicles. You know, do we need a personal policy? I don't know. Could that be in jeopardy? It, it, could pers it could absolutely be in jeopardy. But I think there's always going to be a need for people to understand this information or to have a lot of technology in the background to have these contracts sophisticated enough that real people still know what's going on, what risk is being transferred, what's not, and a knowledge base that will have to be there regardless. Yep. yep. Um, if we can, let's transition a little bit over to you personally. Okay. Um, I, get to talk to a, I get to talk to a lot of CEOs, <laughs> so I, I enjoy that. I get to learn a lot. Uh, I think what I learned the most about is the, fo uh, the, the ones that didn't start out as CEO. They started out doing something else and kind of worked their way up because I want to learn that part um, to communicate to my audience um, who have that desire of kind of taking more control or, or uh, you know, wanting to be an entrepreneur or more uh, of a C-level exec. Uh, how did it happen? Oh, gosh. <laughs> it wasn't a straight shot, let me tell you that. A lot of ups and downs. Not a straight um, line? A straight line? No, not even close. I think a lot of hard work, um, definitely some luck. So um, it's, it's been a fascinating road. I think the biggest thing is, and I know this is cliche, but it's so true, it's, it's loving what you do. And, and, and loving what you do goes along with this, I love this term, but it's a relentless pursuit. And it's this relentless pursuit of always trying to get better. And no matter what you're doing in whatever job, it's being proactive, it's trying to solve problems, and it's just really falling in love with the business of your job. And um, I love the quotes from like Michael Jordan that says, you know, um, I never lost a game, I just ran out of time. Thomas Edison about he didn't invent the light bulb, he just found 10,000 ways it didn't work. And these are people that just have this relentless pursuit of getting better and doing the best that they can possibly do. And I think that's what it really comes down to because no matter what position you're in, you're gonna enjoy it, you're gonna have fun, you're gonna have purpose, um, and you'll, you'll do, be good at it, no matter what. Even if it takes you 20 years or five years, you're gonna be great no matter what. Yeah, Ex explain the dichotomy, the, the split difference between the things you, wor you worried about when you first started at National Alliance and the things you have to worry about now. Oh, when I just started, it was, it was about me and my projects, right? How can I do the best? I'm looking around. What are other people doing? How can I be proactive? How can I help my boss uh, solve his problems or her problems? And, and really just focus on that. I didn't have to worry about the strategy of the company. I didn't have to worry who we hired in marketing or sales. I didn't have to worry about these other things that now 
I do have to worry about. And now the responsibilities begin really with what direction are we going? And that's really the first thing. And then it's, do we have the right people on the bus to get us to those places? And then what people do we have that we need to elevate so they can influence yep. more people and, and do a better job for us? And then the execution of that. Um, once you define the direction, once you have the right people, are they really executing and are we getting lost on different things? Have we lost focus? But that's a constant pressure. That's an everyday, everyday pressure that requires, again, that same relentless desire that we're going to come in, we're going to work as hard as we can, we're going to get better, we're going to learn, we're going to fail. For sure, we're going to fail. But if we're going to, we have to learn from that failure and drive us to the next success or drive us to the next failure that then leads. To the next success. I'm yep. a huge proponent of failure. I mean, our values are innovation, imagination, and integrity. And if we have values of innovation and imagination, we have to fail or we're not innovating or being very nope. at all. Uh, you can't hit 100%, right? So you're going to fail. You're going to strike out here or there. So um, I like that. And I especially like how you, you said it beginning part of your career, you worried about you. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think what people don't understand when you're at the C level and you're a CEO, you're worried about everybody else. Like I'm, I'm worried about, uh, I worry about things like are, um, you know, are my people taking enough time off? Are they able to recharge their batteries? You know, um, are they taking care of themselves? Are they being sloppy? Are they working too much? Yes. You know, I, that, that, um, as I said to one of my, one of my key employees, Listen, I don't want Tom Brady punting. I, I listen. I know you like punting. I know it's fun. I don't want you punting. I just want you throwing the ball. Absolutely, I, I agree with you a hundred and ten percent. It's just no question. And and I'll tell you what. For me, it is more fun and exciting to see people grow and prosper and you bring someone in at one level and then in five years they're doing this whole different thing and they're just killing it and i mean there's nothing better rewarding as i think just as a human than really seeing that it's awesome uh so what's with what's with you in the university of alabama i love it man roll tide <laughs> did you play football so I was on the football team uh, in 2002 and 2003. So it was before Saban. Francione was the coach. So Francione departed suddenly to A&M. Then we had a gentleman named Mike Price that came in that had a little side deal going on that didn't last too long at Alabama. And then we had Mike Chula come in. And, and during that time, I unfortunately got injured um, and passions kind of waned from football. And if you're not willing to dedicate 110%, then you might as well just let it go because it is a full-time job at college um, and actually met my wife at that same time. So I was definitely more passionate about her than I was. <laughs> and so that happens, that, that happens, right? <laughs> but it was, uh, time. I graduated from there. We love there. My wife's family is from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. They still live there today. So we are a huge Alabama fan. My wife's probably a bigger fan than I am, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I think for those that, don't follow college football or follow it vaguely. They probably think that between Bear Bryant and uh, Saban, there was like nothing happened in between <laughs> there. But actually, Alabama has, you know, pretty much had a, a very strong history and they've won national championships. Were you lucky enough to 
be in or around any of those? I was not, unfortunately. When I was there, they were on probation. So I was definitely on the downturn, which then allowed us to go up, which is very, you know, it's like my career is like any success, right? You go, it's up and down. It's never a straight yep. right. Yes, but you learn a lot. Absolutely. Always learn. Always learning. Yep. Watching, definitely got a PhD in what not to do for sure. Yeah. Um, so this is the kind of the part of the podcast where I, you know, transition over to some personal questions to get a flavor for, for who you are and then pick your brain to see if I can steal some ideas. <laughs> so um, on, the, on the personal side, do you have a favorite vacation spot? So my favorite vacation spot is in Alabama. It's Orange Beach, Alabama, which is on the coast. My wife's parents have a condo there. Um, it is an amazing place. If you've never been, don't go. You, you won't like it, I promise. <laughs> go to Destin or go to somewhere else. Don't go to Orange Beach. But what I really love about that vacation is we always drive there. It's about a 12-hour drive from Austin, Texas. And it's really the time connecting with my wife and my kids. I mean, you get so wrapped up in work and other things now that have just 12 hours where they have to talk to you is an amazing experience. Um, and then the ride back. So it's always fun to reconnect with them, but that would have to be every time we go there, I get excited about that car ride to and back. I didn't know there was a place called orange beach, Alabama. Is it all, all I need to know if you, if you, my decision on whether I would go there or not is, is it warm in the winter time? It is warm in the winter time and it is part of the redneck Riviera. So <laughs> Okay, well, uh, maybe I'll drive by. <laughs> maybe I'll go through uh, and, and, and scope it out a little bit. Uh, so let's say uh, you were going to take that 12-hour drive alone and you had to pick one album that you were going to get stuck listening. You could only listen to that one album. So this for better or for worse, what's, what is that one album? Of all the questions that you kind of said as Nick, this was truly the hardest one, the most soul-searching one that I had to really think about. And I actually legitimately listened to five different albums to think, could I really just pick this one? And the one that came back, and it would have to be the clean version, I would say that is Stoney from Post Malone. But just to throw in there, because it was a really close tie with Look Up Child by uh, Lauren Daigle. So those would be the two, but if I had to pick one, it would be Stoney from Post Malone, the clean version, not the explicit. I didn't know there was a difference. <laughs> so I gotta, I'm gonna, now I have to check that out. Maybe uh, if I'm clever enough, I'll, uh, maybe I can squeeze a, a YouTube piece into this particular video. Um, okay, so now this is where I get to pick your brain. Um, do you have any tools or techniques that you use to stay productive and or organized? So OneNote has been a life changer for me, uh, where I can keep track of all business notes, uh, meetings, as well as personal. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of OneNote. It's on all my devices. Um, it saves it everywhere. It's amazing. And then uh, we just got on Teams from Skype for Business here at the National Alliance. And Teams has really, frankly, blown my mind. Um, my phone is hooked up to it. Instant message is hooked up to it. You can do Zoom type calls with it. Um, it hooks into your calendars. You can edit documents. You can actually create teams within your organizations. You can upload any kind of documents, collaborate on those documents. It has been awesome for me. So those are the two. And it reminds you of everything. I get you know instant messages on my watch. It connects to everything. Is, uh, is Teams like the Slack competitor? 
I think it is. It's it's Microsoft's version. I think they've sunsetted Skype and Skype for Business, and now all that functionality plus ten thousand other things is on Teams. Good. Uh, Skype deserved a painful death, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. It had a rocky a rocky journey, did it not? <laughs> Any time I get a, an invite where it was Skype, I was like, okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna set this to 15 minutes before the meeting because I can never get on. Yes. you know, like it, my password's wrong, and I have to just I gotta download something. I can yes. I could never get it to work. Yeah, so Teams good. works great, and from for external people and internal, it works awesome so far. Good. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll research that, put it in the show notes for anyone that's listening. The other thing um, that's been a real test to me on productivity is a book called The One Thing. Um, mm-hmm. and it has really challenged, it challenges its readers to really pick, you know, one thing based upon different piece of your life to, to accomplish that day and to prioritize what is going to be the most impactful one thing that you can do today. That has been quite the challenge. Um, yep. And how they define it is really the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. So we tried to do that now with our goal setting in 2020. What is the one goal? If we accomplish that, that, that sort of filters down. But the everyday piece of that takes a lot of discipline that I have not quite mastered yet. Yeah, I, th- I think about a lot. I think, it, I think it's from this book. They talk about the word priority. Yeah. And what that means, and it's like uh, priorities can't a priority cannot be plural. Yeah. <laughs> it, it literally means one, right? But you know, we talk about priorities, yes, all the time. right? And I, I do think about a lot, like um, how, what is the one thing? Yeah. And um, you know, it's you get to a certain you get to a certain level with you got so much stuff being thrown at you. It's really difficult to filter out. Um, that one thing it's almost like well i just got to get some stuff done and you start doing the easy things but those aren't really important you know and and nick not to blow smoke but you were my one thing today so congratulations buddy <laughs> yes i'm glad i didn't let you down <laughs> I appreciate uh, well you know now wait 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 hold on now i'm i'm a little concerned because uh I think this this interview has been canceled a couple times for, on my behalf. It's all right. So therefore, I could have been the one thing on that day, and then this completely blew your day up. It, it did, but then it you know it challenged me to then rethink the priority and then reprioritize. The- wow. Okay. Well, you're a good sport. I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, uh, final question: I always ask all of my guests are um, books. Uh, audience loves books, and I'm particularly interested in books that are. Uh, not good books, but the influential ones, the ones where it's like, this book has made a difference in my life. And I think about things from that book all the time, uh, business or personal lives, do you, anything that's been quite influential? Uh, so many. And I will say the one thing, so every time I try to, I know that you and I, and, and um, we met at Gamma Iota Sigma. So anytime I try to talk to college students or anything, the most important thing I think I took away from all the speakers that they bring in um, at university level when I was at Alabama and then at Florida State was each and every one of them read. And I honestly have, I never read a book cover to cover until I was a junior in college. And that book was good to great because so many people talked about it. And when I read good to great, it changed my whole outlook on books. I was, I, I was like, I am missing out on a world of knowledge from these books that you'll never get in school, that you'll never get anywhere else. 
So from my junior year of college, I've tried to be an avid reader. So I try to read or listen through Audible at least one book a month. Um, truly, the Bible has probably had the biggest influence. But outside of that, anything that Patrick Lencioni writes, I am a huge fan of. Um, we love Ideal Team Player at the National Alliance, the values of humble, hungry, and then smart. And it's not smart on being smart, book smart. It's smart on dealing with people. And do you understand how your words and actions impact others? Um, the five dysfunctions of a team have been huge for me, how to actually build a team, which when I became CEO and other deals, it was like, how do we actually build this team? It's, it, there has to be some sort of methodical process to go through. That book lays it out perfectly clear on how you really build a team to being exceptional. Um, the seven habits are huge. Mm -hmm. The growth mindset totally blew my mind and changed my life and my outlook on failure. And the effort, it's really all about your effort and nothing else can dictate your success other than your effort. Because as long as you have that, again, relentless pursuit, you're going to be successful. You will overcome any obstacle as long as you don't quit. Um, Brene Brown has changed everything. I love her quote. Don't try to win over the haters because you're not a jackass whisperer. And I just love that every day. Um, John Wooden's Pyramid of Success um, it was life-changing when I went through that. His definition of success is amazing. Um, obviously, you mentioned I played football at Alabama. Huge Nick Saban fan. Anytime he speaks or what he talks about, I love. And then I just started Extreme Ownership. So I'm excited to learn from that book and see how that can be added to the philosophies. It's fantastic. That's a healthy list. Uh, if you're driving and listening to this, you don't have to pull over. Uh, it's all on the show notes. So it'll, it'll all be there. But this was uh, it, quite a motivational uh, conversation. Your, uh, your, your energy like exudes out of you. So, uh, you know, there's not you know, it, it happens occasionally. I, I'm very fortunate to be able to talk to people like you where when I'm done, I want to put on that, that crimson helmet and like just go through a brick wall. Let's go. I'll, I'll be there right next to you, man. I'll be there so, next to you going through the brick wall. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I would like to invite you back on this. So let's, uh, this is a very important topic for insurance nerds. We love, uh, I, I think we have an audience that just is very appreciative and uh, motivated by continuous education in this space. They want to be good. They want to be uh, at the elite level in this space. And so we're, we're insurance nerds. Absolutely. We should, I'm with you. Though. I'm right with you. <laughs> we should want that. So uh, we'd love to have you back. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day. My guest today has been Will Hold of the National Alliance. Thank you again. Thank you, Nick. Really appreciate it.